Actually, EcoBricks came about from an argument with some friends. Uh, I was, yeah, a couple of friends who also lived and worked in different parts of Africa in, in the development world. And we were discussing what will be the big issues in our lifetime. And I was arguing the environment. And then at one point, they pulled up the Marathon website, which I'd been working on running the foundation there for a few years, and showed me all the projects that we were supporting. And none of them were environmental focused. And they were just like, well, you can't care that much. And I was like, oh, they got me. Welcome to the Renew Our World podcast. Renew Our World is a global movement of Christians who believe that since we are truly image bearers of God, we should act like it, living out love for one another in actions and in truth. In this podcast, we're going to go on a journey together of discovering a theology of creation care. We'll be discussing the latest in climate news, chatting with industry leaders, theologians and practitioners, and hearing from some of our incredible partners who are working on the ground. Join us this season as we learn about creation care and what we can do in our own lives to play part in a much bigger restorative story. Uh, So welcome guys to uh, the Your World podcast episode four. Uh, We're really excited to have Andy Bounds with us this morning from uh, EcoBricks. EcoBricks are our newest partner who are based out in Uganda. Um, but I'm not going to talk too much about them because Andy is a much better place to talk about them than, than I am. Uh, good morning, Andy. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, very good. Yeah, life is, life is good. The sun is shining. Blue skies. Definitely can't complain. Nice, nice. Uh, I, I mean, Bristol is a little bit less like Uganda, um, but at least the sun is shining and there's blue skies here too. Nice. Nice. And of course, as always, we also have Elise joining us this morning. Uh, Elise, how are you doing this morning? Good. I mean, it is evening here, but that's all right. If we can stick with morning for your sake. <laughs> Unfortunately, it has not been a very warm day here today with lots of rain and very cold. Oh, shame, shame. I feel like I feel like talking about the weather is starting to become something that we do regularly on the podcast. Maybe, maybe we need to... <laughs> I think we need to shake up our content a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, 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 we've got we'll arrange a content planning meeting maybe this week or something. I don't, I don't know. Great idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's 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 get straight into it. We're excited to to have Andy this morning um, or this evening, depending on which time zone you're in. And uh, Andy, I wonder, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what do you do? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I'm Andy, uh, and yeah, I live and work out in Uganda in a town called Masaka, which is about two and a half hours south of the capital Kampala and about 40 minutes away from Lake Victoria. So, yeah, and in Masaka, I uh, founded and now am the CEO of an organization called EcoBricks, which is a recycling organization, and we recycle plastic into, to create a circular economy uh, into building materials. Um, that's our, our goal, and that is what we try to do. So we've, we've got some certified products uh, that have proven to be stronger, lighter, and have a higher compressive strength and our concrete competition. And then we're entering the market with them being cheaper as well. So the idea is that we will be able to recycle lots and lots of tons of plastic. Um, We can currently do about 20 tons of plastic a month. And then we want to increase that up to 30 tons as we get a better production line in uh, that will allow us to increase, increase our production and therefore increase our recycling capacity. Nice. We were we were just chatting earlier, and you mentioned um, your sort of journey of getting to Uganda. Could you could you tell us a bit a bit about that? Yeah, so it's uh, yeah fairly fairly random. I think like most people's journeys are, um, yeah. but not not as random as some, I guess. So I was working working and living in London in uh, social work, 
uh, and it was it's full on and it was non-stop and the more I climbed the ladder it was more that I was dealing with staff um, and less with the actual customers which is what I really enjoyed so it got to a point when it was definitely time to to do something new and a friend of mine who was also working with us spotted an application online to move to Uganda and start something called the Uganda Marathon um, which is another organization I'm a part of and I applied online and uh, got, got offered the position and then within a, a month or so I was flying out to Uganda on a sort of a volunteer basis to try and start an organization uh, the Uganda Marathon which is a big fundraising event that takes place once a year in Masaka and then I've yeah uh, once I landed it really felt like home uh, I think the fact that the vast majority of people here speak English made it very easy for me to uh, to turn it into a home. So if I went down the pub, I could sit and have a conversation with the person next to me immediately mm-hmm. and make friends very quickly because um, I am not a linguist. So that that made it feel very much at home quickly and became, uh, I like to think, uh, a bit of a part of the community here. So, and then, yeah, I've uh, been here ever since. So that was, yeah, five, five and a half years ago um, that I moved okay. out. And then EcoBricks sort of came about, actually EcoBricks came about from an argument with some friends. Um, <laughs> so uh, I was, yeah, a couple of friends who also lived and worked in different parts of Africa in, in the development world. And uh, we were sitting together and we were discussing what will be the big issues in our lifetime. And uh, yeah. they were different things, and I was arguing the environment. And then at one point, they pulled up the the marathon website, which is which I'd been working on running the foundation there for a few years, and showed me all the projects that we were supporting, and none of them were environmental focused. And they were just like, "Well, you can't care that much." And I was like, "Oh, they got me." So yeah. when and- I came back to you, I was like, "I will see if there's any projects out there that are." Um, working in environmental practices, which there is very, very few. Um, and there weren't really any in Masaka. And then there wasn't any doing plastic in, in Masaka at the time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I uh, started, started researching and looking into what was possible. And then um, got a business partner on board as well. And then we were able to, to start this up. So, yeah, and it's become a really... It's growing in, in the two and a half years we've been running EcoBricks. Um, it's grown a lot from collecting bottles in my garden uh, to now having a half an acre site, which we'll expand soon to uh, to add another acre to um, and getting in, yeah, about 20 tons a month. And every single kg that we bring in, we've paid for. So we pay the community to bring, bring the plastic. So there's over a th- like 1,500 uh, up to 2,000 people a month who bring us plastic and earn extra income um, yeah. from this opportunity as well. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you guys have been involved with the Renew Our World campaign? Yeah, so we're yeah, like we're probably I think the newest members, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, and we yeah. we've just joined recently. Um, and we're we're kickstarting our campaign, so we're obviously focused on plastic. So we're starting a campaign and we've done our video now, um, which is just in the final bits of editing. But we have a campaign with young students here and we're working across uh, 16 different universities across Uganda uh, with the goal of uh, sort of threefold. One is to hold a conference to engage these different universities uh, in the problem. 
uh, and get them to understand the problem and also the solutions um, because we're very much focused on not just explaining the problem but the possible solutions that are there and ones that can also be improved on. Uh, so that conference will happen. Then people go out to these 16 universities are spread across the five major districts in Uganda. So they can go back to their districts and map. There's a lot of informal plastic collectors out there um, that are just doing it in their home and they're selling it into a major international market which fluctuates uh, all over the place. Uh, you never know what the price will be. Even when you're on the road to delivering, the price can change. Um, so it's very hard to keep sustainable. And as on their own, they don't have a voice because um, they're all collecting in their own homesteads. So the idea is to map as many of these informal sectors um, as we can and provide them with some uniforms so they get a bit more like it's a bit of a frowned upon uh, activity in the community. So provide them with that uniform and some, give them a bit more self-dignity um, and the community respect. And then also provide them with a voice. So if they can sort of come under one umbrella, uh, a sort of a franchise sort of model, uh, then we can have all these collectors um, that can be equivalent to collecting hundreds of tons a month uh, that can have a voice and raise complaints like in a union sort of element. Um, because, yeah, the, everyone we've spoken to so far, and we've done a test in a, an area called Entebbe, which is where the, the airport is, uh, and we have 10, 10 collectors there that we've mapped and given uniforms to. Um, and they've seen there before everything started happening with COVID. They saw their collections increasing because we promoted these, these maps out to the community. So there's a lot of people who think they can't recycle. So now they know where they can. So they're taking their plastic there. Um, and then we're also able to say, oh, the plastic price has dropped, but we're one big voice. We actually don't want it to drop. Um, what systems can we create to ensure that everyone has a fair income across the value chain? Um, okay. yeah. So that's really exciting. And that will, uh, we have a team of lawyers, student lawyers, working on a petition uh, that we are planning to take to government. Originally, we wanted to do a petition to try and ban some types of single-use plastic. Uh, yeah. But the research has shown that's happened uh, two or three times already in Uganda. Um, and the ban has been put in place, never enforced, and then quickly overturned. Um, yeah. And if you delve a little bit further, it shows that these associations have a lot of power and a lot of lobbying power. And also uh, certain politicians are also invested in, in the plastic industry. Yeah. So yeah. we've got a, a petition to say, can you help us invest in recycling resources? and therefore create tens of thousands of jobs across Uganda at the same time. Um, so we can sort of, at the moment, the traditional recycling industry across the world was to ship it out to China or to India, who have now completely, both of them have pulled out of the market entirely. Uh, so it's much more yeah, cost-effective and adding value in-country would be the way forward. So there are options yeah. to be able to do that, uh, and we're hoping that we can with a big march uh, and a petition which actively lays out a clear plan, um, then we can hopefully get the government to sign on board and um, grant us permission to move forward with that. And therefore, then we can seek investment to, to make that happen. Great. That sounds really interesting. Sim similar to um, our campaign in Malawi, where they've um, managed to get a ban on, on certain types of single-use plastic as well. Um, seems like there's a lot of momentum in different African countries to, to see that sort of like 
particularly the you know the single use thin plastic um, that has less less value and is just used once for maybe you know drinks containers or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it sounds like there's a lot of momentum building behind stuff like that. Yeah, there is. Yeah, so unfortunately, yeah, Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, all our surrounding East African countries have been able to put a bag a ban sorry on plastic bags, um, which is great, and that would be something we really want to achieve. But yeah, the ban's been implemented twice in Uganda and overturned twice. Um, yeah. And hasn't at any point been enforced. Um, so I think it's, and yeah, that, that deeper sort of, you go down, it's, um, it's something that's very hard to, uh, to achieve here um, for various yeah, political... Yeah, power plays going on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I, I wonder as well, where if you could tell us a little bit about um, how you guys have been responding to the current um, COVID crisis, and um, I suppose people will see that there is a uh, there's a blog on the website that they can read about EcoBricks and how you guys have been responding. Uh, but we wanted to just open up an opportunity for yourself as well to just talk about that and let people know how EcoBricks has been responding. Uh, obviously, we've you know you've had to shift and be focused and change direction a little bit, like. Like, like lots of different organizations at this time. But yeah, how's, firstly, what's the situation like in Uganda at the moment? You know, has there been a lockdown? Uh, like we've seen in a lot of countries, what's that been like for you guys? And yeah, how, how have you been able to respond? Yeah, so there has been a lockdown um, and it's just been extended for a further 21 days, uh, starting at the beginning of this week. Um, so it's already been in place for five weeks, I think, or maybe even a bit longer now. Yeah. Um, and it's just been extended again. So, and what that means in Uganda is uh, the lockdown situation has caused a huge amount of the population to lose employment. So again, we, we're talking about the informal sector. So it's about 80% yeah. of the people in Uganda fall in that informal economy uh, and are employed on a daily basis. So when you're closing down industries, uh, those are the first people to be affected. Uh, so there's a huge, especially in urban and semi-urban settings, uh, that are really, really struggling at the moment um, yeah. with just basic needs. And then they have more people at home because the schools are closed. So there's a lot more in the in the family setting. Um, so it's a real a real challenge for families at the moment that have, yeah, unless they were very fortunate to be able to maintain their job, the vast majority have lost their employment and their income. Um, yeah. Which is which is a real challenge, and that yeah that stretches from all public transport to uh, all non-essential shops to any casual labour work um, to yeah the whole tourist industry. Uh, it's a huge huge amount of the economy that has uh, been put on hold uh, during this period. Um, yeah, and then there's massive issues on top of that around people being able to access the medical support for normal. Um, normal everyday uh, emergencies that can come up. So with public transport down uh, and you're not allowed to ride on the Boda Bodas, uh, which is the motorbike taxis, which is used a lot in, uh, in urban settings to get from A to B, um, that makes it very, very hard for, for anyone to be able to get to hospital. So there's yeah. been huge challenges in, in pregnancies at home and complications and yeah, it's, it's hard to say because there's, it's hard to get the data at this time. But uh, the stories that are coming through our office is there's many, many 
Um, people suffering both from food poverty at the moment uh, due to loss of income um, and then the lack of ability to be able to get to hospital for yeah. normal needs as well. Um, ah. Whereas the corona cases themselves are actually quite low. I think it's about 130 at the moment in Uganda and no deaths, um, which is incredible because uh, Uganda was one of the first, it was very quick to act on closing its, um, the airport and then sure. yeah. it closed its borders well, it hasn't closed its land borders, but has now got very stringent testing at the land borders as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, the lockdown itself is having uh, other complications that, um, yeah, I guess we're, it's not one, one program fits all. Um, I don't know the correct solution. I'm not saying I, I do, but the, the lockdown is definitely causing a lot of challenges um, yeah. here in Uganda. So your organisation, EcoBricks, have been able to, I guess, adapt the work that you're doing at the moment in a really creative and innovative way. Can you just explain a little bit about the work that you guys are doing in response to COVID? Yeah, so we've targeted these two, two main areas of work, so food security and hospital and health. Um, yeah. And that's where we're focused on. And we've been very fortunate to be able to adapt quickly. Um, we were in a strong financial position flowing into this. So we were able to instantly be able to divert funds to support the community here. Because um, that's our goal, regardless of what's happening around, EcoBricks is here to support the community of Masaka. So in, yeah, we've, we've had some uh, food security. We've been doing um, food distributions. Uh, first, we were using our truck and doing distributions uh, using the local LCs, which is like the local chair people of different communities to identify the vulnerable in their areas, and then we were dropping off. Um, we've now changed that process to, we have a central office in Masaka town, and using that office as a dispensary uh, point, uh, and then people, we call uh, heads of associations. So unlike the recycling industry, most um, associations have their heads. So the Boda Bodas have a chairman of all the Bodas Association. The saloons have a chair of their association. Um, and so forth. So we've been calling them. They've been providing us with lists of individuals within their, their working environments that are, are vulnerable um, and lost their jobs. And then we've been able to get food to those people directly, um, okay. yeah. which has been amazing. And we've, uh, I think we've distributed out, um, this week we've distributed 10 tons in the last couple of days. And there's the last bit going out now. Um, and we've, I think we've distributed about 30 tons of food uh, currently out uh, in the community, which has been incredible. Uh, so that's one way we are targeting, um, is food distribution. And we work very closely with the COVID uh, task force in Masaka, um, which we are, we are now one of the core, core members of um, to help fight COVID in that area. And then the other one, yeah, is hospital and health. So... When uh, the lockdown started and the first cases of COVID uh, were reported in Uganda, uh, the hospital was not in a situation to uh, be able to combat it in any real, real manner at all. So uh, luckily, because Masaka is quite a small community, we're, we're very well known um, and very well connected here. So I was able to meet with the hospital director quickly and we've been able to establish an isolation unit, a screening process at the gate. And then some very basic things of fixing the hospital fence because people were using it as a shortcut, uh, repairing the water supplies, 
um, the backup power supplies, um, and then obviously a lot of PPE equipment as well. Yeah. Uh, and that hospital has a range, a catchment area of 2 million people. Uh, it's the major referral hospital in Masaka. Yeah, that's so, huge. Okay. It's, it's massive. Uh, and then just the basic needs that are needed, it is, it's quite astonishing, really. Um, they don't have a single respirator uh, at the hospital. They use manual pump bags uh, when that's needed. So you get an orderly standing there, literally pumping your bag, um, and you just hope they don't get tired. Uh, and they, they will be keeping you breathing. Um, so it's, uh, it's incredible, the, the need there. Um, and then we've been working with clinics in more rural settings uh, to adapt some boda bodas and get them permission to uh, take passengers from the local authorities so they can collect and they have sort of a cool line and they're able to collect um, people in more rural settings. And we found specifically majorly pregnant um, mothers and then they're able to transport them to the hospital and the clinics for free. So that system has been incredible. We've been having it go in with a, a friend of ours who's who designed it, um, and we've been able to fund their system, and we're implementing it in other clinics now um, uh, as we go forward. So, and then here with EcoBricks and sort of our normal data work, we've been able to get a machine from Austria that enables us to make face shields out of recycled plastic. So, they are sort of a clip uh, that we can make out of the HDP plastic through an injection mold, uh, and that clips around, uh, around your head and then has a plastic screen uh, for protection um, that comes down in the front. So we're able to recycle the clips. The screens we have to buy uh, new and separately in order to hit with some uh, regulations here. Uh, but that's, that's starting this week. Uh, I've just been told the machine should arrive today, which is very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. So down at the site this morning and we're just getting everything prepared. Uh, but that's going to be incredible to be able to start doing that. And they're going to go to, yeah, the hospital director has seen some samples we've been able to get. Um, and then once it's signed off there, they'll be able to go to the hospital frontline workers. And then we're also going to distribute them to the market stall owners and those specifically in the food industry um, that are always on the on the front line as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's going to be... Yeah, really exciting, really cool to be able to sort of also open up our site a little bit. And uh, we have a few extra staff coming in and create a little bit more employment here as well, um, which is great. So, yeah, we, we've, been, we've been going, we've been very fortunate and in a really good position to be able to do that. Um, and we've opened up a fundraising campaign. We've had other charities in and around Masaka that we've called upon and they've helped. Uh, events companies locally have donated tents to the hospital for isolation spaces. Um, the Uganda Marathon, the other organization I'm a director of, has been able to start a fundraising campaign and they've raised about £18,000. Ecobricks has contacted lots of different partners and we've raised £27,000. Um, and it's going incredibly well to be able to, to do this because um, yeah. one thing that we've, we've definitely learned is relief work is very expensive. Um, because the food obviously gets eaten. And then if the lockdown continues, it needs to be yeah. distributed again. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a costly, costly process, uh, but it has a yeah. huge impact. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been amazing to, amazing to see that we've been yeah, in that privileged position to be able to have such an impact here. Yeah, that's awesome. 
and I wonder just 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 before we finish up, Andy, um, just as people are listening to this and if they'd like to like to donate, um, where's the best place they can they can do that? Yeah, so they can do it on the EK Bricks website, which is yep. um, you can probably show in a in a <laughs> tab or something. Right? We'll include in the or show notes. <laughs> um, so yeah, www.ekbricks.org. And Bricks is spelt B-R-I-X-S because that's just cooler than Bricks. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they can. There's a donate page on there, and that on that donate page it shows how all funds we are raising at the moment go towards this um, the fight against COVID and what we've achieved so far and uh, how it's going. So all the details are on that donate page as well. Well, thank you, thank you so much for that, Andy. Really, I mean, really, really inspiring work. Um, yeah, all of it seems just so essential and uh, really, really encouraging to hear how you know just a bit of creativity as well has been able to use to sort of come up new. PPE equipment for for hospitals as well, which is really really encouraging. We've been we've been yeah we've been very fortunate to have these skilled engineers in Austria, and now we're talking to a team in the Netherlands who are offering their time to be able to to devise these devise these things. Because like I say, that's not not my background, uh, but they're they're helping us out and uh, devising different systems. And yeah, we've got this we've got this machine arriving. So it's uh, you know credit to them as well. Fantastic. Great. Well, I think let's leave it. Let's leave it there for today. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks again for joining us. And uh, yeah, do if you were listening to this, do do check out uh, the EcoBricks website. Make a donation if you can. And um, other than that, I think it's time to say goodbye. And uh, we'll see you. We'll see you soon. Oh, pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate thanks, it. Andy. Cheers, Andy. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Renew Our World podcast. To learn more about the Renew Our World campaign or to hear about some of the work that our partners are doing, make sure you jump on over to our website at renewourworld.net. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a podcast episode again.